Good morning, happy Sunday, January 31st, and welcome to Every Day's a Holiday, a daily podcast calendar giving you a reason to celebrate every day of the year. Today's holiday is Eat Brussels Sprouts Day. Brussels sprouts first appeared in northern Europe during the 5th century, and later in the 13th century began being cultivated near Brussels, Belgium, where they derived their name. Production of Brussels sprouts in the United States began in the 18th century, where French settlers brought them to Louisiana. Most U.S. Brussels sprout production nowadays is in California, where several thousand acres are planted in the coastal areas of San Mateo, Santa Cruz, and Monterey counties. All these counties offer the ideal combination of coastal fog and cool temperatures year-round. The harvest season lasts from June through January. 80 to 85% of U.S. Brussels sprout production is for the frozen food market because once harvested, Brussels sprouts last three to five weeks if frozen, but only about half of that if refrigerated. Brussels sprouts are in the same plant family as cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, and kale, and they contain high amounts of vitamin C, vitamin K, and other vitamins and minerals, so they are super healthy. But some people just can't stand the taste of Brussels sprouts, which is fine, you do you boo, and it might not even just be a taste thing. Similar to cilantro, your genes could be the reason that Brussels sprouts taste so bad to you. A 2011 study by Cornwall College found that Brussels sprouts contain a chemical similar to phenylthiocarbamide, which tastes bitter to some people who have a variation of a certain gene. Apparently, about 50% of the world's population has a mutation in this gene, so it's literally a coin toss if this holiday is for you or not. If you're part of the half of us who do like Brussels sprouts, today's the day to get cooking. I'm going with roasted Brussels sprouts, but you can boil, grill, steam, or stir-fry them just as well. If you happen to make and eat Brussels sprouts today, be sure to post pictures to social media with the hashtag EatBrusselsSproutsDay, and tag at Everyday's a Holiday Pod in your stories as well. Enjoy your Brussels sprouts today, everyone! Now, let's take a look back through the years to see what happened on this day in history. On this day, 156 years ago, the United States Congress passed the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, thus beginning the process of abolishing slavery in the United States. Slavery existed in the U.S. upon its founding in 1776, having been established by European colonization. And prior to the 13th Amendment, the words slave and slavery were never expressly used in the U.S. Constitution. But there were articles like the Three-Fifths Compromise that allocated congressional representation based on, quote, the whole number of free persons and, quote, three-fifths of all other persons, a.k.a. slaves. And as far as the Fifth Amendment went, you know, the one that states that no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, well, in that case, slaves were understood as property rather than persons, so they weren't protected from being deprived of anything. Stimulated by the Declaration of Independence's philosophy that people have inherent rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the northern states gradually abolished slavery from 1777 to 1804. None of the southern states joined in the sentiment, and the slave population of the south grew to almost 4 million by 1861. An abolitionist movement headed by William Lloyd Garrison grew stronger in the north and called for the end of slavery nationwide which made tensions between the North and the South even worse. 
Proposals to eliminate slavery by constitutional amendment were first introduced by Representative Arthur Livermore in 1818 and by John Quincy Adams in 1839, but both failed to gain significant traction in Congress. It seems to me like the half-century between 1811 and 1861 consisted mostly of politicians struggling between ending an institution that completely stripped people of all of their freedoms, or trying to mitigate tensions between the North and the South to avoid a civil war. They inevitably failed, and the Civil War began. President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation in September of 1862, proclaiming the freedom of slaves in the ten states that were in rebellion. And that December, he issued the Proclamation for Amnesty and Reconstruction, which offered southern states a final chance to peacefully rejoin the Union if they abolished slavery. The southern states didn't accept the deal, the Civil War continued, and the status of slavery remained uncertain. Then along came Representative James Mitchell Ashley proposing an amendment be added to the Constitution that would legally abolish slavery nationally and permanently. The proposal was followed by multiple similar proposals from other representatives in 1863 and 1864. And then on January 31, 1865, the House called a vote on the amendment, with neither side being quite certain of the outcome. With 183 House members present, it would take 122 aye votes to pass the resolution. However, eight Democrats abstained, reducing that requirement to 117. All 84 Republican representatives, two independent Republicans, and 16 unconditional Unionists supported the measure, as well as 14 Democrats and three Unionists. In the end, the amendment passed with a vote of 119 to 56, just barely reaching the required two-thirds majority. And once the votes had been counted, the House exploded into celebration, with some members openly weeping. Black onlookers, who had only been allowed to attend congressional sessions since the previous year, cheered from the galleries. Later ratified on December 6, 1865, the 13th Amendment abolished slavery in the United States and provides that, quote, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. As we know, another century of segregation and other atrocities would follow this event, but the passing of the 13th Amendment was a crucial step towards reaching eventual racial equality in the United States. Now, it's time to commemorate the births and deaths of famous or infamous individuals in our next segment, Life and Legacy. Today, we celebrate the would-be 95th birthday of legendary paranormal investigator Lorraine Warren. Lorraine Rita Moran was born on January 31, 1927, in Bridgeport, Connecticut, to a fairly affluent family of Irish descent. At age 16, Lorraine met 16-year-old Ed Warren while he worked as an usher at the Colonial Theater in Bridgeport. Ed had grown up in a house that he considered extremely haunted, and Lorraine had exhibited powers of clairvoyance from an early age. She knew immediately that they would spend the rest of their lives together, and Ed was the only boy Lorraine ever dated, even when Ed enlisted into the U.S. Navy on his 17th birthday in 1943. Ed and Lorraine married on May 22, 1945, and in 1950, Lorraine gave birth to their daughter, Judy Warren. After Ed left the military in 1950, the Warrens became very involved in the paranormal, interviewing and consulting with New England residents who believed their homes to be haunted. 
They went hard into paranormal investigation, and the couple collected a massive archive of reports from afflicted families and other investigators, including photographs, audio and video recordings of paranormal activity, and a myriad of letters of gratitude from government officials, clergy, and ordinary people from their intervention in many unbelievably evil and unexplainable situations. The Warren stories of paranormal investigation have become very popular, and some have even been adapted into films, like the Amityville Horror and the Conjuring series. There's a whole heck of a lot that the Warrens did in their lifetimes that any self-respecting paranormal or ghost enthusiast would not hesitate to learn more about. There are a plethora of other podcasts covering these two in more detail, but if you want one particularly spoopy telling of the Warrens' Einfield poltergeist experience, go listen to the Scared to Death podcast episode titled The Enfield Poltergeist. Happy birthday, Lorraine! We also commemorate the 415th anniversary of the death of Guy Fox. Yeah, the man behind the mask in V for Vendetta. That Guy Fox. The real Guy Fox was a British soldier in the late 1500s, and the best-known participant in the Gunpowder Plot, a conspiracy to assassinate King James I by blowing up the palace at Westminster during the state opening of Parliament, in retaliation for increased oppression of Roman Catholics in England at the time. On the night of November 4th to 5th, 1605, London authorities uncovered the gunpowder plot, and at about midnight that evening, Justice of the Peace Sir Thomas Nivett found Guy Fox lurking in a cellar under the Parliament building and ordered the premises to be searched. 36 barrels of gunpowder were found, and Fox was taken into custody. Fox was tortured on the rack before being tried for high treason in January of 1606. He was found guilty and sentenced to execution by hanging, drawing, and quartering. And on January 31, 1606, Fox and three others, Thomas Wintour, Ambrose Rookwood, and Robert Keyes, were dragged from the tower on waddled hurdles to the old palace yard at Westminster. Fox was last to stand on the scaffold. He began to climb the ladder to the noose, but either through jumping to his death or climbing too high so the rope was incorrectly set, he managed to avoid the agony of the latter part of his execution by breaking his neck. His lifeless body was still drawn and quartered, and, as was the custom, his body parts were then distributed to the, quote, four corners of the kingdom, to be displayed as a warning to other would-be traitors. I am so glad to live in the 21st century rather than in the 16th century. Yikes! Uh, rest in peace, Guy Fox. Lastly, let's find out what listeners like you are celebrating today in our final segment, Listener Celebrations. Today, Dina is celebrating her birthday up in Ontario, Canada. Happy birthday, Mama Dina! Maria is celebrating her son learning how to say his letters better every day. <laughs> Keep it up, little one. Good job! And Tora is celebrating her pay increase this month. Congratulations, Tora, on making that big cubish money. Thank you for sharing your celebrations with us. And if you are celebrating anything like a birthday, an anniversary, or any special occasion, please shoot me a message at everydaysaholidaypod on Instagram. I'd also like to remind everyone that today is the last day of Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. But even if you are listening to this after January 31st, that doesn't mean you shouldn't still join me in donating to Agape International Missions to help prevent human trafficking in Cambodia. If you're willing and able, please go to aimfree.org, that's A-I-M-F-R-E-E dot -E org to donate. 
And if you want to learn more about Agape International Missions, go back to the January monthly mention episode of this podcast. Thank you for joining me in today's celebrations. Special thanks to AJ Curtin for composing the music for Every Day's a Holiday. If you'd like to support the show, please rate and review Every Day's a Holiday on Apple or Google Podcasts, or just pass it along to a friend. And tune in tomorrow morning to see what there is to celebrate on February 1st. Enjoy today, and catch you tomorrow.